thought that was an interesting tune there for a while. We're, it's like we're singing about a horse named Ebenezer or something, at the mount or something. I, that was great. Well, I see half the youth got up and left. I was going to make fun of all of them, but they, they got up and left anyways. But uh, anyways, if you've looked on Facebook, you know that we're in the middle of a homecoming season here, and uh, kids are, are going to homecoming, and a lot of our kids now are they're all grown up, and a lot of them are off to homecoming, and I mean, they just, they all, all of them, they all look like a million bucks. I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, they've, they've all grown up, and they're so beautiful, and uh and uh, Cameron, he's not here to tease either, doggone it. Well, he, he took some gal to Northwestern, I think, so it was, wow. I always used to love homecoming when I used to coach high school because uh, uh, the following Monday, I'd always talk to all the boys who got, they got put into the friend zone after, after the dance, and they're like, oh, you know, oh, sorry about that, you know. Well, uh, I've been talking about the family. We've been looking at some different things about the family. And uh, what I want to look at today is really the last little bit. You know, we've talked about single moms and, and you know, the family and marriage, excuse me, marriage and some different things. And today I want to talk a little bit about the extended family. And uh, I've got a few uh, slides and I'm going to get away with this because my they're getting kind of old, I think, here. But, you know, when you talk about the extended family, when, when, when two people get married, I mean, that creates a whole new dynamic. And for some of us, uh, your mother-in-law, you know, you know, she may look at you that way, and, and you're thinking, what do I got to do to, <laughs> you know, well, there is no pleasing her. Oh, well, you, you go on. And, but uh, for some of you, that might be your... your uh, your experience with uh, with the extended family, and uh, I don't know. What about? Uh, let's move on. Oh, uh, oh, you grandparents out there! I know we have a lot of grandparents. Maybe your your grandparenting isn't quite cracked up to what you thought it would be. You you were thinking on Golden Pond, and you know it became uh, you know getting stickered up here. Oh, grandparents, you, do you find yourself overdoing it for the grandkids, for the, you know, when grandma finds out you haven't eaten, you know, well, you, we got to fix that and get some food out there for the kids. We go to my mom's house and that's what she does. I mean, it's crazy. What else we got? Oh, let's have a family gathering for the remaining family members who still speak to each other. We've been into that before. Holy moly. Can you divorce your in-laws but keep your husband asking for a friend? Yes. I, well, all of us have different uh, experiences with our, with our extended family. And dealing with family members takes patience. Uh, it takes a lot of patience for people. Developing close ties between generations can sometimes be very challenging. Challenging also are the relationships that we develop after, after marriage. The mother who enjoyed being the special confidant of a son or daughter after they get married, you really can't assume that role. The father who's been a provider and the advisor to their, their children, and then they get married. You know, now they've got to assume some different 
responsibilities as well. New in-law relationships have to be strengthened. Daughter-in-law needs to understand her mother-in-law's past relationship with her son. I mean, she raised this boy up. The mother-in-law's got to understand now and accept the idea that, you know, her son's wife is the new central figure in his, his life. That, that can be different. It can be difficult. How do we allow the newly married couple to adjust to each other and, and be independent at, at the same time? If you have your Bibles, there's a great story found in the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. I don't know if I finished my... Yeah, Ruth. You've probably heard the, the story of Ruth before. And if you find it, bookmark it, because I want you to read that this week. I want you to, to, to read about that. We don't, we don't have time to read all first three chapters, or the whole thing of Ruth here. And, but the story of Ruth is interesting because sometimes marriage brings together families of different backgrounds. Okay, You think about your uh, son or daughter, the people that they've married. I know many of you, you have you know, sons-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, grandchildren now. Now, the biblical account of Ruth, for example, it illustrates how differences can actually be made into strengths instead of becoming sources of contention. A lot of times when, oh, they're just so different. We don't do it that way. What, what are you doing? We don't do, well, we kind of do it that way now at our house. And What are you doing? I can remember uh, some of our earliest getting used to things. You know, what do, you, what do we do for... Holidays, that's always an interesting one. First Thanksgiving rolls around. Oh, we're going to have Thanksgiving over at mom and dad's house. we got to get there. But I thought we were having Thanksgiving at my family's house. Ooh, now what? <laughs> you know, what do you, well, uh, then you get into horse trading. I'll give you Thanksgiving if you give me Christmas, and then you can have, you know, whatever, so... But the biblical account of Ruth illustrates how these differences can be made into strengths. Ruth was from a, a place called Moab. She was a Moabite. And there in Moab, her people, the people she was from, they worshiped many gods. Okay, they're not Hebrew. Uh, they're polytheistic. They've got a lot of gods and, and that they worship. Later, she got married, of course, to Boaz and the whole bit with there. But her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her husband were Israelites. They worshipped Jehovah. That's a little different. Okay, They're different religions. You can probably understand that. Maybe your son or daughter married somebody from a different religion or a different denomination, you know, oh, they believe this, we believe that, what are we going to do, you know? Um, but when Ruth's husband died, if you remember the story, Naomi decided to go back to her native country. And rather than stay in her own land, Ruth said, let me go with you. So Ruth goes back with, with Naomi. So here's Ruth. I, I was raised to believe in a lot of gods. Now we're going back to the land of the Israelites. One God. Hero Israel, the Lord thy God. The Lord is one. 
but I'm going to go back with Naomi. Back they go. Both Naomi and Ruth were loyal. They were loving. They were unselfish towards one another. What a relationship for a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law to have. Neither insisted that only her way was right. There's no record of them fighting over religion. As a consequence, Ruth was later converted to the truth because Naomi put relationship above um, rules. You want to think of it that way. So if we're to let the new bride and the groom develop on their own, what's the role of the extended family? What's our, our role here? If we move on, uh, here we go, 1 Timothy 5.8. It's an interesting idea here, the idea that Paul has. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy was sort of his protege, the the kid that he was was raising him up there to be a great pastor. And I believe at this time, Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Okay, and the church at Ephesus is having some issues. A lot of times Paul would address these in the, the letters that he wrote. And in this particular verse, or this part of the letter, he says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. Think about that. Now, the point that, that Paul is making is, look, even non-Christians take care of their in-laws. They, even non-Christians take care of their extended family. And if you refuse to do that, and apparently some in the church of Ephesus were not taking care of their, probably their parents, their older parents, ignoring their needs and just living their life. But even non-Christians take care of their own and if you fail to look after your own family, you're worse than they are. So what's, a, what's the application for us here today? Yes, we all have extended family. And I think Paul would ask each of us, uh, what are you doing for them? It doesn't mean that you're doing everything for them. He's simply asking, are, how do you provide for your relatives? Now, we, all, we always think of money. Okay, here we go. How much you, how much you need this time? I don't know if that's quite what he's talking about, but it could be. Paul is asking them to provide for the relatives. That's a demonstration of the Christian faith. Okay? A demonstration of you know, putting your faith into practice. It's also uh, an honoring of your, your relatives. If we go on to the next one, 1 Timothy 5 a little bit earlier in, in that, that chapter, he says, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a, a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Sorry, kids, you have a responsibility to, to look after your parents. Not ignore him. Sorry, Kayla. You know, you know, you're going to have to. I wouldn't trust your brothers, but I'm counting on you to, you know, <laughs> come visit me when I'm in the old folks' home someday. You, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, kids have a responsibility. It's part of honoring your mother and father. Not ignore them. 
Uh, it can be very difficult to do that sometimes. I know that you know, a lifetime of relationships, sometimes our relationships with our folks aren't exactly the greatest. But again, in, in taking care of them, in looking after their needs, we're honoring God. We're, we're, we're honoring the Father. It pleases Him when we do that. And people may ask you, why are you doing that? Your mom and dad treat you like dirt. It's pleasing to God. It pleases Him that I take the time to look after their needs. Especially, in, as Paul points out here, the idea of widows. In the church, you had widows who needed, had needs, and they weren't being met by their own children. Apparently, the, the church of Ephesus had kids, probably adult children, who very easily could have taken care of the widow, and they weren't doing it. We have a responsibility to look after our own, our extended families. My dad put his, pretty much put his life on hold for three years looking after my grandpa. Many of you have similar stories to that. It got very frustrating. I mean, it got to the point where, I mean, they were on each other's nerves. Uh, Grandpa's trying to cling to the last shred of independence, and Dad's like, will you just cooperate with us here? You know, you're trying to get things to work. But in doing so, he took care of my grandpa, who I know was very thankful for that. He would often ex express that to people, and it would always embarrass my mom and dad, but he didn't care. He was, yeah, I just want to let you know, thanks to my you know, people taking me and my son, and, and here he goes. And it was a wonderful expression of, of thanksgiving for that. Finally, let's move to another verse here. Uh, Proverbs, another example from the Bible when it comes to extended families. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. Grandchildren. Some, people, some translations make this, uh, they refer to grandchildren as the crowning glory of the aged. Think of your grandchildren. Some of you, your grandkids are here. I see Stan after church. He's got them three little kids. They're all out there. They're ganging up on Stan. He's trying to push them in the, you know, wearing him out. And Stan's going. I'll bet you anything that those kids are the crowning glory for, for him. The icing on the cake. This is the icing on the cake of a life, a Christian life well lived. I've been blessed with grandchildren. Kids, are you a, a crown for your grandparents? Are you a, a crown that, that shines for them? Or are you some sort of a, a, a damaged, shoddy wrap around the head? We want to be a, 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 you know, a, a, the crowning glory to our grandparents. I don't have grandchildren yet. I'll tell you what, though, I, I often make fun of, you know, my kids, you know, hoping, well, one day when you have kids, ah, you know. You know, there are times I wish I could go back and, and, and play with my kids again like they were real little, two, three years old, get down on the floor, wrestle with them, set up uh, uh, Dustin, for example. He's, uh, 
He used to love horses and deer. Whenever we would put, uh, I'd always put Bambi on the VCR. All right, kids, that's an ancient piece of technology. You know, you put that in there and it played a movie. Anyways, Bambi would come on, and every time we'd get to the scene where all the deer run out to the meadow, they'd run up there, dun 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 dun, dun and then the deer would take off running across the field. Dustin would get up and he would run around the living room, jumping over chairs, running around the couch, and I'd get up and run with him, you know. It was a lot of fun. And there are days that I miss that, but our kids can't go back to being little. And somebody here at church, I forget who it was, well, that's what grandkids are for. And I'm like, you're right. We can do that someday. That's going to be awesome. Well, no pressure to my kids to, you know, we don't want grandkids too quick, but I hope someday for my grandchildren to be the crowning glory, you know, of a life well lived. So how can you build your relationship with your extended family, whether it's trying to help mom and dad out, or parents trying to help your adult children out, or grandkids, grandparents, there's some things that we can do. Above all, understand that what we're trying to do here is to build relationship, not just give them stuff. Here, here, how much you need this time? Psh, write a check. There you go. Thank you. We love you. See you in a year. We're trying to build relationship here. That's how you can build and work on your extended family. Number one, it might seem obvious, be interested. Demonstrate a genuine care and concern for your family. This doesn't mean you have to butt in. You have to constantly be criticizing. I always used to love the show, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And Raymond's mom lived kind of across the street, and she'd come over every once in a while, and she was always like, oh, you know, the way uh, the cake was okay, but, you know, and, and Ray would come in, oh, this cake is nothing like yours, mom, and the wife would be like, you know. Demonstrate genuine care and concern for the family. Find some way to regularly communicate. I mean, whether it's, when I was little, my grandparents, they wrote letters. They were letter writers. That's a lost art. I don't know how many people write letters anymore. Uh, I asked the kids at school, you know, what would it be like if you had to wait for a letter? You wrote a letter and sent it in the mail to somebody, and they're like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> of course, then I had to tell them about email, and they're like, why would you do that to yourself? Email's too slow. I'm like, holy cow, yeah, got to be instant. It's like the elderly man walking around with his cell phone going, I can't get the Wi-Fi reception in this, you know, it's, it's not FM, Grandpa, it's, you know, it's okay. You know. <laughs> Find some way, whether you send them a note, shoot them a text, an email, whatever. Find some way to communicate. Now, I've often said, I think Facebook's the devil. Because Facebook... It has led to more trouble in, in some houses than in others. I mean, it, you can get yourself in all kinds of trouble with Facebook. All right, I, you know, sometimes I get a little ornery and I'll, I'll post some jokes that are probably 
would not be good for the pastor of a church to be posting. They're not bad. They're just really ornery, and <laughs> that's a sliding scale, right? Reese, I don't know. <laughs> but there are instances where, through Facebook, through Instagram, and I've been able to connect with family members that I haven't talked to for years, and now all of a sudden. I'm keeping up with them. They're keeping up with me. And it's really neat. And then we'll meet up. Sometimes we'll bump into each other out and about. And instead of, oh, I haven't seen you for years. It's, wow, how's your kids doing? I saw they were here. They did this. They did that. It's just fantastic. It was a way for me to establish communication with the rest of my family in a way that wasn't, I wasn't butting in. Use these opportunities to better understand your family members. Uh, over at Triad, one of their uh, uh, kids, uh, senior, her name's Kiki Zizzo. She's uh, actually a cousin of mine. Okay, Her mom and, and I are second cousins, and we, we were close as we were little. And now through Facebook, we've really gotten to know Kiki a little bit, and you know, at the band thing, she does her baton thing, and we got to know her again, and it's really neat how that all kind of worked out. Try to find some way to be interested, to at least say, well, you know, I've been keeping tabs on you, just interested, see what you're doing. Try to be involved. Respond to the things that you're learning about your relatives. Instead of waiting to be asked, Asked all the time. Maybe anticipate ways you can act. What can I do to help? I know she needs help with this. How can I provide a little help without making it seem like I'm butting in? Is there an event you could attend or a need that you could meet? Well, I bet those kids are driving her nuts. She might appreciate a night out. Send them over to Grandma's. You know, we'll take care of those kids. You know, you go out and little things like that. Is there somebody who longs for a, just somebody to talk to? You can do that. Respond in ways that are appropriate for you and those you, you seek to encourage. Now, it's not always easy to figure out the best way to respond. I mean, you could ask advice from other people, other family members. There was something we were going to ask my uh, mother about, and my sisters and I, we, we texted each other for like three days trying to figure out exactly what we were going to say. It was like, like a game plan here. Okay, what are we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to approach this? And then, you know, but it worked out. One of the greatest things growing up was knowing that my grandparents would be at every ball game I ever had. Baseball, football, didn't matter. Grandpa would film all of my games. He couldn't film a game to save his life. I mean, the camera's like this all the time. He would shut it off when the play starts, turn it on when the play's over, so I'd get a whole game full of just, like, people talking in the stands. And right when the play would start, click, it goes off, you know. But I always remembered how much it meant to me that he cared enough to come out to the games. He didn't know anything about the sport I was playing or what it is I was doing, but they were there. They were there all the time. 
They gave up two or three hours of their day to come and just watch. Just knowing that they're there was a big thing. Knowing that they wanted to be involved with me. Another thing to think about, if you really want to build relationship among your extended family, watch out for the agendas. A lot of times... It's natural to want your love and support to be received well, but you know, sometimes we expect that to be reciprocated. I expect you to uh, I did you a solid, now you you going to you know. Looking out for good returns can sidetrack you from offering the sincere, selfless love that marks a Christian. Doing things without being expected, expecting anything in return is a valuable thing. That's selfless love. You know, don't be discouraged if your efforts, you feel like it's falling flat. I'm trying to help these people, and they sure as heck don't seem all that appreciative. Don't get discouraged if they feel forced or if their reception of that seems cold to you. It's going to take time. Relationships take a lot of time to build. Well, you know, nothing's more important, I think, than family. Um, Nothing's more powerful than supporting your family members, especially the next generation through, through prayer. If you can't do anything else for them, you can pray for them. As a Christian, that's an extremely powerful thing to do. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Keep bringing your petitions to God. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying for your your grandparents. Pray for your son or daughter who just got married and you're worried that she can't take care of him like I did. Well, pray about it. It's never too late to start supporting the family. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 4 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Then you will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Seeking to love and support your family faithfully, okay, I think that makes a tremendous difference. I mean, today, for, for years to come. So, you know, as we think about the family, trying to reach out and to make the family complete. I know it's not always easy. It's sometimes very difficult. Some families have a lot of very deep scars and a lot of pain that we have to deal through. But remember, making that attempt to support somebody, to help somebody, to offer assistance, to build relationship, that it's pleasing in the sight of God. God will bless that. You might seem like a klutz at the beginning, it may not, you may not have the best relationship with your sister or your brother, but I'm going to send them a text anyways. Maybe they don't text me back. That's okay. God will honor that. He finds that to be an act of faithfulness on your part as a member of the body of Christ. That's a beautiful thing. So let's love our families and not stop helping and, and serving one another, because that's very pleasing, pleasing to God. If our worship team would come up, we'll uh, continue to worship. I'd encourage all of you again, stick around for the 
meeting. You can get some of your questions answered about the pastoral search process. Very important thing. Let's go ahead. Let's sing. I'm going to sing about Ebenezer the horse. Here, here we go. No. Okay.